Welcome back, my friends, to the sweet spot where IT leaders share the insight with other leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas, and as in every week, I have my two co-hosts, Howard Houghton and Paul Lewis. Hello, guys. Hey there. And There's today a, we have a, a special guest. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> we have Raul Krishnan. <laughs> hey, Raul. Hey, how are you doing? Very good. So we know this too. Let me give you an option. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us what you do, uh, your area of expertise. Uh, how do you know the two crazy ones in here? <laughs> so, um, so area of expertise. Wow, uh, that's a expertise is a strong word. Um, and and the reason I say that, I, I I feel like at this point in time, my value is of being a strong generalist. So. I worked for I worked for um, 16 years in a large corporate environment. Um, moved through moved through my career progression. Did all the things that I was supposed to do. Try and become an executive. You know, move up into the ranks. And then, um, then about three years ago, uh, my mom has uh, my mom has a, a degenerative neurological condition and needed some help. And I needed to make a I need to make a career decision. And in doing so, I actually took a step back from what I was doing. Uh, had a very close friend in management consulting who we had met because he was a consultant uh, for, for the organization that I've been working with. He invested in me when I was a 25-year-old just spending time with me. And we developed a really strong friendship over that point in time. I started off at that consultancy. Uh, it's called Masaro. Started off at about 15 hours a week uh, as as a way to keep myself kind of occupied while we figured out um, a little bit more of my mom's situation. And then over time, stepped into that a little bit more on a full-time basis. I've learned so much more about myself since then. I've learned so much more about what I actually care about. And honestly, um, I think for me, having range of having done many things well, maybe none of them as well as people who are really, really good at each of those things um, uh, is, is, is kind of where I am right now. And I'm completely cool with that. And I feel like that's, that's a little bit of the value that I end up bringing to the table. That's a lot of value. I don't know. What do you think, Howard and Paul? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I tend to think um, the best way to, to develop expertise is try to help other people do the same, right? Um, a teacher doesn't have, like as a teacher, you don't have to know the end of the book, but you really need to the section of, of the book you're teaching really well. Right. Right. So I, I think uh, I think it's a great way to, to develop expertise. I think it's a great way to build a career. And, and I think it gives you a different perspective than you would have kind of always being on the inside or always being on the vendor side. Right. Oh, and I met Howard recently. Um, Howard is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm working, uh, his organization is a client of ours and we've had the opportunity to, to work together and, and, and have some cool conversations and even have some bourbon, which is which has been fantastic. That's more of a default than a, it's, it's, it's not really an option. I, I felt just, special, is that just <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> he has a goal to reduce the amount of bourbon he has in his house. So you're just adding to that. You know, it is important to note, though, I have actually not had bourbon with either of these two. That is correct. Yeah. And I don't think Paul and I will ever have bourbon together. I don't know why I think that. It's just a gut feeling I have. <laughs> right. It's highly possible. Uh, I'm of two minds of that perspective. In fact, I had a, 
I had a, uh, I'm going to call it a disagreement with a colleague yesterday, as he was describing how truly important it was to have an in-depth knowledge of any particular subject matter expertise, uh, especially technologists, where if you want to be good at what you do, you have to have, uh, you know, to the earth's core type of content related to that thing. You know, you have to be an Oracle ace, you have to be a Microsoft MVP. And I agree with a lot of that for some types of roles. For other types of roles, I'm not sure I'd use the word generalist. I think I would use the word connector, right? So it's really about knowing a bunch of things, not just individually for the sake of knowing those things, but to actually connect them together. So it's not the bubbles, it's the line. Right. And the more lines you know, the more you can connect those topics together, the broader appreciation for how you're going to apply any one of those bubbles to your problem set is what works. And I, and I think that's what in many ways defines the difference between the practitioner and the leader when it comes to technologists. The higher you're going to go from a leadership, the more the broader you see those that, that ocean and the more you see the connections. I think that's how I would describe it. You hit so, the nail right on the head, Paul, and I do think that going into this, I my original thought was if I do a lot of things, I'll have range so I can I can have my pick of, of what it is that I feel is really exciting to me. And along the way, I stumbled into the fact that you do get mastery in connecting those dots, connecting those functions, and that ended up being the thing that I fell in love with, right? It, it ended up being like, okay, now this is what I want to do. This is This is fun. This is all about people. This is all about context, uh, which are which are things that I love. Especially if you can get out of the technology into its application, right? So it's less interesting that you know that you have to do data integration and then data orchestration, then data visualization, sort of in that sequence. It's more interesting to say, well, what kind of insights can I produce once it goes through that chain of events, right? What what business problem am I actually solving? What kind of new revenue can I find? What kind of customer? Uh, can I now discover that's kind of the interesting part, right? Once you've gone through that chain of events and you've linked up that technology together and you've solved that problem, awesome. That's that's where success equals, you know, greatness in many ways. So, so as we go, wait, as, as we go through all this, because I love the conversation that we're going, it sounds like when someone is connecting and looking for a role, sometimes the first thing that is talked about is how much cash can I make or what title can I get? Does that even matter? Does the money, do, do you want to take the money or the titles BS? Like really, how do we do this? So, so yeah, so we get, I think all of us get that question a lot, right? People come to us and they see us as, as senior and they go, Hey, what is this, the decision I should make? Um, before I dig into that, I wanted to make a comment about the kind of pre-roll conversation. And, and really, it sounds like experts are RD, RDBMS and leadership really should be graph databases. Wow. Right? That's a good value graph database increases exponentially with the number of connections between <laughs> nodes. And that's kind of- wait, 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 wait. I don't know why that-, that <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Co-host pulls out the AV. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. Apparently, we've got a feature upgrade here on this. <laughs> <That's great>. <laughs> <Cooler>. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we can ask that question a lot, right? All of us spend a lot of time mentoring. 
Um, and, and the most common thing I get asked is, hey, should I take this role? And to give an example, I had a, someone come into my office, this was years ago, um, and he'd been working for me for about six months, really smart guy. Um, I was working my ass off to retain him, you know, like you do. Uh, and he said, hey, I just wanna let you know I'm leaving. And I said, okay, cool, talk to me. And he goes, I'm going to Google. And I said, to do what? And he said, to work on their infrastructure team. And I paused because, you know, you don't want to dissuade someone from doing something that they're super excited about. But at the same mm -hmm. time, um, that particular company had a reputation for burning through infrastructure people like they were matchsticks. And I said, hey, you know, why don't you pause and think about it for a minute? Because, uh, you know, between you, me and the lampshade, I don't think that's a, the best decision for you. And we kind of talked through it. And I said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you what to do. By all means, go. I'll do what I can to retain you. But if you, if you truly feel it's the best thing, by all means, go. To be honest, after everything that you've told me, it sounds like you're chasing the company and not actually running towards the work, right? Mm -hmm. You want to you have Google on your resume. He came back two days later and he said, okay, well, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna resign. I think you're right. I talked to some more people. I found out that what you said is kind of true. They treat their software people really well and the kind of run through infrastructure people. I'm not sure that I want to do that. It's an hour commute, blah, blah, blah. Two weeks later, he comes into my office and he says, I'm leaving. And I said, okay, cool. You going to Google? Like, did you change your mind? No, no, I'm not going to Google. I got, got this other opportunity. He kind of walks me through the opportunity. And it was a chance for him to move up into leadership, chance for him to run a team, chance for him to build a DevOps team and help build a business. It was equity involved, a little bit more money, right? And I said, this actually sounds like a fantastic opportunity. You are fired. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and the difference was, one, was chasing something ephemeral that he thought he wanted without really understanding what it was. And the other one was really thinking about his career and taking an active role in, in leading his career and, and sinking, jumping on an opportunity that pushed his career forward by two or three years. So right. in, introspection question. So knowing that he was clearly through the process of at least two roles, right? He clearly went through weeks of interviewing what didn't you recognize in that situation that you only found out at the end? Um, I didn't recognize during the Google, I didn't recognize that he was interviewing. So was there, was there obvious signs now that you see it from sort of hindsight that um, how he was reacting would... to situations, how he was communicating? Was it? No, he was a phenomenal employee. Even when he was interviewing, he never checked out, which is kind of what I liked. Um, the Google thing he was being recruited for, and being recruited pretty heavy. The other one was a, it was a family member that started a business. So he hadn't even started interviewing. He just got offered the job. Okay. Right. They met at a, they, they were at like a barbecue or something. And, and the cousin said, Hey, I'm doing this thing. Do you want to come do this thing with me? You could do this part. And they started talking about it kind of like you brainstorm. Right. And, and pulled the trigger kind of thing. Right. So the second one, he wasn't, he didn't actually interview him. It was, it was totally casual. Um, and I, I'm not sure that I would look for signs of interviewing in, in people, to, to be honest. Um, I, I want to try to catch it before then. Right? I want to make sure that they're happy before then. Because um, you're never going to stop the lightning strikes. Right? Um, you're never going to stop someone gets that amazing opportunity. Um, they weren't dissatisfied. They weren't necessarily even looking. They got recruited pretty hard. Mm -hmm. um, and they followed up on it. Like, I'm never going to stop that. They're running towards something. Right? Um, someone really smart, Brian Householder, told me, um, I was getting ready to leave Hitachi. I had another offer on the table. And he said, hey, he said, before you do that, I want you to, I want you just to ask yourself one question. Are you running towards something? Or are you running away from something? 
And I said, you know, what do you mean? Like, give me a little bit more meat than that. I think it sounds obvious, but, and he said, so my wife tells me this all the time because sometimes I get frustrated with the place that I'm at, right? And the inability to make the kind of change I want to make and blah, blah, blah. And my wife says, okay, before you get frustrated, are you running away from something? In which case you probably don't want to do that, right? You probably want to try to at least try and stay and fix it. Or are you running towards something because it is so much better? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's kind of, for me, that's kind of one of the keys to our title, right? That you need to ask yourself, are you running away from something? And is that something fixable? Or are you running towards something? If you're running towards something, always run towards it. Always. Right. Bright shining light, right? Always run towards it. But running away. Let's, let's bring in our guest because we, uh, we yeah. tend to forget. Well, well, I think I, I actually have a follow-up question for, for, for Howard on that. Um, can sometimes the desire to run away from something convince you kind of impact your, 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 your vision where things that you're seeing uh, a little bit of grass is greener, things that you're seeing on the outside convince you that you're running towards something oh, when absolutely. in fact. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, yeah. And I would say to the one thing you're allowed to run away from, you're allowed to run away from a bad boss. Right. I think, I think that's the one thing, right? It's an abusive relationship. You're allowed to run away. Right. By all means, run away. Right. If you have the ability to go to HR first, but by all means, run away. <laughs> so uh, I actually had a, I had a couple of instances recently where some folks uh, who I've worked with, they, they'd been part of client organizations. And actually before that, uh, hang on, let me shut off my Teams notification so that I'm not super annoying. Um, so we had actually worked together on some projects before I left that organization. And then since I've come on as a client, we developed our relationship and that was, that was a wonderful thing. But uh, they reached out to me, they were looking for some additional offer or looking at some additional opportunities. In both cases, they'd actually got offers and they were basically asking, what should I do? What would you do? And it was interesting because I'm like, I don't necessarily want to answer that question because I don't think it actually means anything. I want certain things. I care about certain things. There's certain environments that I feel like I would do really well in, and they might be completely different for, for you. So my first thought is, I want you to talk a little bit about what it is that you're looking for. What is it that makes these situations uh, the right situation for you? And I shared a little bit of what I learned in my experience. I've made some moves that I wouldn't say that I regretted. It's hard for me to look back and say that I necessarily regretted anything because over the course of it, it helped build towards things that I know now that enable me to be, to be smarter about what I do going forward. But definitely at the time, I wanted to be, I, it's not that I necessarily wanted to be an executive. It's just like, that's what you do, right? So you, you move up, you become a manager in your field, and then you become an executive. That, that's what you do. And I just firmly believe that at an embarrassingly advanced age in my career, it was, uh, it was, it was just the path that I was taking. And so I took a job at one point in time in my career that was higher visibility, is it going to be exciting? In fact, the way it was framed to me is you work a bunch of hours. There's so much stuff going on. There's so much complexity. Now go, go to the corporate office. Things are a little bit cleaner. Get a little bit closer to, you know, 40, maybe, maybe at the tops, 45 hours a week. 
the, the workload is more balanced and you get like visibility to the top levels. And I was convinced in that conversation that those were all good things. Um, in spite of the fact that I was building new things where I was, I was solving tricky, complex problems in the business. And instead I'm going into the corporate office. It was a finance, it was a finance system oriented role. Things were kind of stable. It was about keeping the lights on and making incremental uh, updates as things go forward. And it was like, yeah, you can, you can use that time frame to recharge. And at that point, something in me was just like, that's not me. That, that sounds, sounds terrible. So I ended up in a situation where I got more visibility, but it wasn't to me do, doing my thing. It wasn't visibility to me being me. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe, maybe I could have done better with, I don't know, 30% less visibility, but I would have been me. I would have been enjoying what I was doing. I would have been fully, I would have been fully into it. So a big piece of the advice uh, that I that I offered these two is what gets you in that mode, right? What what are the elements of an assignment, engagement, or role that make you feel your most full, engaged self, where you're where you're where you're feeling yourself? You're not full of yourself, but you're feeling yourself. You know what you know that you're good at what you're doing, and you're and you're really you're really having a good time at that. Does that resonate with you guys? Yeah, I, I would add, um, not only you know what you're good at, but there are pieces of it that challenge you, yeah. right? Challenge is all about increasing that engagement, right? I'm super engaged when I'm challenged. When I'm just doing what I'm quote unquote good at, which I don't right. know that I've quite determined yet, um, I'm not quite so challenged, right? It's fun and, and, it's, and, and for short periods of time, it feels great, right? It feels great sometimes to let the challenge kind of fall behind, right? The, and, and really focus on what you're good at for a little bit. But, right. but without that challenge, I think you lose something, right? Um, I always right. look for what am I passionate about? Right. And, and my, my take was you're learning. You're learning new things and you're learning it towards kind of a, a, a vision that you see of yourself. What are the areas that you want to grow in? Is this going to give you an opportunity to be able to grow in those areas? And honestly, in that situation for these two, the, the, the choices became a little bit easier in the conversation and it was something that they actually hadn't thought of and you know that's that's generally the that's generally my sign of okay i you know i did something today like today i can check the box and be like yeah i'm glad you mentioned that took a shower put on some clothes and then uh somebody listened to something that i said (laughs) i'm glad you mentioned that because i am and howard and carlos will know this perfectly well I'm more, far more prescriptive in those conversations, right? Mm-hmm. I'm far more prescriptive in saying, tell me what the last day before you retire, what that job is and be very specific. What type of company, what type of role, what are you doing day to day? Tell me what that is, what the ultimate goal will be. Then determine what skill sets you need to do that role. What experience do you need to have? What kind of companies would you have had to work for? From that creates this list of capabilities, this list of gaps to which your every move should try to check one of those boxes, right? If you need to be able to work for, you know, 15 Fortune 100 companies, then that needs to be part of your goal. If you need to be both a CFO and a CIO and a CTO and a COO, then that should be part of your goal, right? It's less about the logo, it's less about the money, it's less about the title, it's more about filling the gaps to ultimately what you wanna do. And the podcast is over. Paul just (laughs) answered the question.
<laughs> it's, it's interesting that, that we're talking about that because sometimes you just mentioned something that we may have passion for something. Let's say, I bet that anyone in here know how to use a web browser. So if we get, let's say, an older person and say, well, can you help me? Because I don't know how to get, let's say, to YouTube. Each one of us can, if it's our grandma or someone like that, we can say, you go here and you do it. But we may not enjoy tech support 24-7. Is that a first statement? You see, doing something that we're good at sometimes doesn't drive the passion. But learning to find that passion that sometimes it may not pay as well originally, because sometimes for a different role, you may have to do a different move. I don't know if you guys have ever had to do it like a lateral move that may sometimes have been a lower pay so you can then see that that up game. But that's an excellent point because and I have an exception to everything I just said. So the exception to everything I just said if a CTO role of Disney World opened up, I would drop whatever I was doing. I don't care if I was the president of the universe and I would take that job. It wouldn't matter the pay. It wouldn't I would move to Orlando like this would, I would be on the next flight to this role. Wait, you're from Canada, you don't move. <laughs> for, for me, it's people. Um, like there's no, I couldn't say that there's a role that I would drop everything and move for. I'm sure there's several, but not in the way that Paul ex expressed it. But if Mark Brzezinovich recruited me to work for, for him, I would go work for him. Right? There's a few truly brilliant people in my mind that I would drop everything and go work for. His, his is always the first name that comes to mind. Um, I don't care what he's doing, I don't care what company he's at, and I don't, I don't care what the title, position, and pay up. Um, I think the growth opportunity are, are so huge. Um, I, I like the passion conversation, but, but I think following your muse all the time also kind of pushes you further and further and further down the, the barrel of whatever that thing is, <laughs> right? Um, and one of the things that I found is my passion has changed over the course of my career. And as I got exposed to new things and new opportunities opened up, things I didn't think I would like, I never thought I would like leadership ever for any reason. But I'd looked at managers and looked at kind of what their day-to-day -day consisted of and went, I don't want to spend my whole life in Excel. I don't want to just work on reports, right? I don't want to spend my time in these, in these kind of management review tools. Um, and then I got exposed to it through some good leadership and some bad leadership and found, actually, I can be super passionate about this as well. This can be as exciting for me as setting up a network or, or configuring some new, you know, application or, or you know, really digging into some new technology. Um, and, and what I found after that is it's super sustaining because people are super dynamic. They're little chaos machines, right? And so technology kind of stays the same, right? We're continuing to build on the foundation of the thing we did before, whereas people are always different and environments are always different and culture is always different. Um, and that can also be super exciting and you can find that kind of similar passion in that. But I never would have found it if I hadn't moved out of my comfort zone into something that I didn't think I would like. Yeah, I, I think from a passion standpoint, right? So if you take a cross section of where your talent lies, what you're good at, what, um, what you find rewarding, what, you, what, you, what you're passionate about, and then in, you're in a situation where there's opportunity for learning and growth. 
to me, I would find that to be a, to be a, to be a fantastic opportunity. If someone were to, were to tell me, if someone who was in my organization were to tell me that they had an opportunity that met that criteria for them and they'd really thought about it, right? That would be a, that would be an easy, like, yeah, go, go do that. Now, if they had to, if they had to cut their pay in half to take it, that would be, I'd, I'd have to hear more, right? Like, let's talk about this a little bit more. So while I do think that, um, while I do think that the title and the pay are not the most, we'll take, throw the title out for right now. While I don't think that the pay is the most important thing, I do think that I, I would want people to not shortchange themselves on that, if that makes sense, that, that, that kind of nuance to it. Yeah, it's very difficult to get raises when you're working. The best time to get a raise is in fact, when you get a new role. So you just have to appreciate that. If you're, if you're taking a 20% discount because you're going to achieve some sort of uh, critical experience you don't have or a capability you wanna earn, great but know that you're probably not gonna get back up to the previous role because 20% is a big percentage. Uh, so think about what that actually means. Is it worth the five years of potential you know, degradation of your money, which is effectively a total year's worth of income you're gonna lose? Probably not, right? I, I would never suggest 20% would be a reasonable number to accept unless it's this big passion play you wanna, it's, a, it's your, it's your you know, family's company and you have an ownership stake as a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think the only time that it's really worth taking a significant pay cut is for equity. Right. Right. For me, that's like, I, I like equity. Um, and for me, that's, a, that's, that's fine. I'm, I, I'm totally accepting of that. Um, but at the same time, I'm, I'm also not going to pick a role because of money. Mm. Right. That's the fourth factor, right? There's a floor for sure. And, and every time I start a conversation, the a question gets asked in the very first meeting, what's the pay, pay band? I don't need to know the specific dollar amount, but what's the pay band? Are we going to be able to find some agreement in what I consider my floor and then add on the value of the culture, the value of the people, the value of the role, the value of the job duties, the value of the growth, et cetera, et cetera, all things that I find to be more important. But they sit on a foundation of I'm an adult and therefore I have a floor of minimum earning. Yeah, that, that all falls under the category of know your worth. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You know that what it means to do this role and what the average is in the world and your experience therein, and that you are in a category of people that get paid this kind of money. Um, and it's not necessarily just base comp, but it's base and variable and equity. Tie all that in together to say, this is my value for the organization. This is how I'm going to contribute. This is how I'm going to earn for you. And therefore, this is my my minimum, my floor to support that. Yeah, and I and I and I couldn't agree more. I I think with with both of you. I think in terms of the influence that a twenty percent discount would have, it would it would cause me greater pause than a twenty percent premium would cause me encouragement for someone to look right. at a particular role. Yeah, and beware of roles that have a title and the pay doesn't match the title. Right. That's the probably the biggest red flag for me. 
it's a CIO role at $147,000 a year when your market pays two fifty. Right. 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 Beware of roles that have a great title that have been open for two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Right. There's likely an issue. And while CIO of insert name of company here um, will likely look good on your resume, the other thing to be aware of is when the title doesn't actually match what you're doing. Because the expectation is the next company is going to look at that title and go, oh, well, we expect you to have all of these knowledge points and have all of this ability. And you have to go, well, I didn't really do that at my old job. Oh, okay. So you're not really a CIO or you're not really a VP or you're not really a senior developer or you're not really an architect. Right. Be cautious of roles given in lieu of pay because they don't actually benefit you long-term. They set up an expectation that tends to be faulty. And there is nothing worse than going from a CIO role to applying as a team lead because that's actually, you were at a small company that handed out titles in, in lieu of pay, right? And that's, I think, kind of what I meant by don't just chase the title, right? Look at the whole thing and go, does the title match the role? Does the role match what I want to do does it have that mix of where I'm comfortable and where I'm not, right? The, the 30% I need to learn, that's kind of the mix for me. I wanna be 70% is skills I have, 30% is stuff that challenges me. That's the mix that works for me. I suggest everyone find it, but. The best advice I ever received was way, way, way early in my career, like in the first two years. First two years, I was at a startup company, you know, very small, 30 people. Uh, and I declared that I wanted to be CEO. That, that was my goal. I didn't care how many years it took, how much effort it was going to put into it. I saw CEOs and presidents and said, this is the type of role I want. And I sat down with one of the board members. Uh, it was a small company, so it was easy to, to get into the board. Uh, so we we're having a conversation. I said this explicitly because this particular board member was CEO of very large organizations and now board of 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 dozens of organizations, including ours. And I said, what do you think? What, do, what kind of skill sets do I need? What kind of advice would you give me? And he stopped my entire rant and said, uh, that's an interesting goal. Um, however, you could be a CEO today if you wanted to. Feel free, resign, create a company, call yourself the CEO and get it done. The title is meaningless. CEO of company of one is not the same of CEO of HP, right? CEO of Disney, CEO of a telco, CEO of a bank. They are not the same in any way. And therefore the title is meaningless. And I could take any title for any reason. So that simply cannot be your goal. You have to truly define the type of organization, the type of work, the type of skill sets, uh, how passionate you are about the topic, how, how long you want to learn, how important it is, this lifelong learning implementation. Uh, do you want to have a career or do you want to have a title? Um, and from that meeting forward, I determined that I did not, in fact, want to be a CEO. Best and, advice I ever received. And, and I, I think you also touched on something that is really important in kind of picking what you want your career to look like, and that is the lifelong learner. Hmm. Right. All, all of us focus on being disruptive. Right. We look for roles that give us the opportunity to be, be disruptive. Right. We would call it growth, but growth is disruptive. And anyone looking for a growth role is looking to be disruptive. You can't you can't have that kind of growth that you're really looking for non-organic growth. Right. Without the disruption part of it and being disruptive and, and, and being able to do that requires lifelong learning. At no point do you have the ability to stop learning. 
right? You don't have the ability to rest. You know, we used to call it resting on your laurels, right? You don't have the ability to go into an office, to go into a title, you know, you know, Paul, you're CTO, you're right. You don't have the ability to go in and go, well, I'm, <clears throat> I'm here, I guess. I guess this is all just going to continue to, to motor on the way that it was motoring on before. Good job, guys. <laughs> right? Because we don't look for that. Right. right. At the same time, the burden of that, and, and nobody does. Like, I don't know anybody that goes, you know what I really want to do? I just want to run stuff the way it was run yesterday by the guy that came before me. Status quo. I want to make no changes whatsoever. <laughs> I'm looking for one of those cushy status quo jobs. Right. And, and the, the reality is, especially like our audience um, and, and the people we're aiming this at, right? Those, those who maybe are earlier in their career and looking for some career advice. Um, you wanna have growth, right? You wanna have these exciting positions. Um, the work required is not inconsequential and you have to also sign up for that, right? You have to also acknowledge that, hey, you know, as part of this, um, I'm now on the, the hamster wheel of continual, continuous education and it cannot stop and it will evolve. It can't just be what I wanna learn. Right, it has to evolve. It has to grow, and I'm on it forever. Right, and and kind of tying together um, what I was talking about before with what you just said, Howard. When you when you're in a situation where you're where you're feeling yourself, for a lot of the people, for a lot of for myself and a lot of the people I give career advice to, a lot of that has to do with are you stepping into a role that you have a reasonable assumption of mastery over already? And is that going to be you at your best self? You're kind of running something or running something with your, with, with your eyes closed, or let's say at least one of your eyes closed, you can, you can, you can run it pretty easily. Um, is that necessarily showcasing your best self? I personally like discomfort. I, I like to be learning. I like to be stretched. In general, I'm a pretty confident person in my ideal role. I don't know, like 25% of the time I end, I, I might end the day being like, holy crap, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I can do this. I like that. Like, that's a good feeling for me um, because it means that I'm stretching. I can feel myself being stretched. And, and on the long haul, maybe not at the end of those specific days, those are the days that I turn to the bourbon, but on, on the long <laughs> haul over those stretches of time, I'm really enjoying myself. Th those, are, those are roles that I find to be really rewarding. What's neat is I don't actually turn to the bourbon on the days where I'm like, holy crap, I'm, I don't have the knowledge to do this. It's the days where I didn't learn, right? Because those are the days that are 8, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And, and longer meetings, right? Where the meetings were just that. They were just people together meeting about nonsense that probably could have been solved with a series of emails or some something, right? Where I didn't feel like like I either needed to be in the room or wasn't the smartest person in the room where there was someone else, something, some information that I was gathering that I was learning, right? And they're just exhausting. And at the end of the day, you kind of click the end on that last meeting and you go, oh man, right? Rather than, that was exciting. That was a ton I don't, I don't know. Now I'm, now I'm motivated to learn more. Now I, now I have a list of, of priorities that move to the top of the Howard must learn this stuff list. Um, so that I'm better prepared for, for this continuing activity for the next time I encounter this for whatever happens. Those I love. I never turn to the bourbon on those days. The days I turn to the bourbon is like that, actually that list didn't change, right? I added nothing to my list of to-dos today. I had nothing to my list of like must-learns, right? Build Howard, not, not build company, right? Build company is work. I like doing it, but, but it's work. Build Howard is joy, right? So 
Carlos, write that down. Next podcast, turning to the bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an interesting one. We probably should get some sponsors from. <laughs> right. I'll reach out to McAllen tomorrow and see if they want to sponsor the podcast. <laughs> Carlos, that was a healthy conversation. That was a very good conversation. Raul, thank you very much. Uh, you're welcome uh, here on our podcast. And as always, we say, we learn from each other. That's why we have partners that come and join us. We share, we talk. Because if you try to do this career alone or any career alone, you become close in a little box. But when we learn together, we grow together, we become the leaders that we can be. So make sure that you share this podcast, you subscribe, and we'll see you on our next episode. Thank you guys. Thank you so much for having me. I had such a great time. Yeah.